0: So start looking in the right place with LinkedIn. You can hire professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
1: Well, 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 here we go. The road to Qatar is long and fraught with danger. After a shaky start to the world cup qualification campaign, Greg Berhalter's men closed out the last window with a historic road win to go joint second in the standings. Now, the U.S. men's national team will look to build on that momentum when they host Jamaica in Austin. I'm Heath Pierce alongside Jimmy Conrad, and we are going to discuss Thursday's clash against the Reggae Boys. And friend of the K Golasso Pod, Wiesel Vasquez will join us later to preview Tabletoppers' l Tree's game against Canada. K Pod begins right now. Thank you, everyone, for listening. The show could not exist without your support. So please, if you haven't done so already, make sure you follow and subscribe to Kegolasso wherever you get your podcasts. And leave us a review. Also, make sure you follow our YouTube page. Every little bit helps. Okay, on to the show. Jimmy Conrad, what's going on, man? Hey, Heath, how's it going? I am clearly excited for this.
2: If you can't see me, I am decked out in U.S. Men's National Team gear, as I do. And I'm wearing the Bomb Pop jersey, which surprisingly is a favorite for a lot of people, Heath Pierce. I, I, uh, I, don't under- I actually have a lot of other favorites, and Bomb Pop might not even be in my top five, but I'm here wearing it nonetheless
1: what have you done a poll or something or is it just when you wear it people tend to like it
2: yes a little bit of both so i'm doing like a it's a running poll actually never ends and any time that i wear it i get more positive feedback than yeah. i was anticipating so that's probably and, the best way to say it.
1: and for anybody who is just listening to this on audio that is the the classic blue top white in the middle red at the bottom uh is this is that is that 2014 is that the era I don't even know. That's how old yeah. we are. Yeah. I, have, I got no goddamn idea. <laughs> yeah. which, which
2: well, I think it is 2014.
1: Hey, you know what, though, Jimmy? I'm blaming the, the national team for not qualifying for the last World Cup because it threw <laughs> things off of how I understand uh, jerseys. But let's talk about U.S. versus Jamaica, Jimmy. Uh, what, you know, before we get into this actual game, looking out the window, I, I've heard you said it before, seven points uh, is what I believe to be your, your sort of barometer of success. Is that correct? That is correct, mainly
2: because – we should win our home games against the two bottom teams in the table right now, right? I mean, just when you look at it on paper, that's a must. And you should win your home games uh, anytime you play World Cup qualifying. That's that's what's going to bring you in. Now, what I'm going to say is with regard to that one point, Panama has been very good, very, very good with regard to how they've been performing. Uh, they haven't lost a game yet. Uh, they're well-coached. They're organized. they got belief in themselves. So I think a draw away from home in Panama feels... I'd, I'd be comfortable with that. So seven points minimum. And if we get seven points, I think we've really put ourselves in the driver's seat to book our spot to the World Cup.
1: Yeah. And you talked about the U.S., right? Learning how to not lose, learning how to stay in the games. And it seems like Panama, and we're not here to talk about Panama just yet. We will when we get to that preview pod. But, you know, there is a value in in being able to stay in games and get points against teams. So, I mean, what are your what are your thoughts on, on just the form of Teams just finding ways to get points. It obviously is still so close in the standings right now.
2: Heath, you make a great point about that. And I think that's a quality that every good team has to have if they're going to have success, whether it's in World Cup qualifying, in the World Cup itself, whether you're playing in the Gold Cup, the Nations League, finding ways to win when you don't necessarily play well, kind of leaning into your strengths and actually making that a strength. Maybe we lost that along the way. You and I had talked about it during the summer that maybe we had lost that identity of always being there to scrap. If, if the talent part of it isn't working, are we there? Do we have the quality to scrap and still grind out results? And I think we've shown that through the summer and through this first World Cup qualifying window. And now we got to see it again as we continue to push to try to get points.
1: Yeah, so, Des, let's take a look at the standings right now before we head into this specific game, just to give people an update on, on where things are at. We'll walk them through it uh, when you have it. Um... And there you go. Uh, you can see clearly that the U.S. has a long ways to go. Everybody has a long ways to go, if I'm if I'm honest. But Mexico sit top on seven points. Canada are on five. Five. Sorry, it got real small on my screen here for a second there. U.S. on five. Panama on. Jimmy, can five. you see it better than me? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, Panama's it got, got five. Well.
2: Costa Rica, two. Honduras, two. El Salvador, two. And Jamaica, one. So... Obviously, again, on paper, we have to do the business against Jamaica who still haven't figured out who they are as they try to mesh all these players that are coming from the championship in the Premier League over in the UK with a lot of the players that are kind of making up their team throughout most of these summer tournaments and and through World Cup qualifying up until this point.
1: Yeah. So what do you want to see from Greg Berhalter? I mean, we've been what I think is fairly critical of him the last, uh, you know, in that last three game cycle. In a way that I felt that, okay, we've used 21 players of the 26 last time around. But, Jimmy, do you remember from your qualifiers, and I, I, this is just something that came up when we were talking about it on HQ the other day, is I don't remember ever rotating a ton of players in qualifiers. Maybe 2-3 when you played a two-game fixture. Maybe you change out a, a, a more pacey a vertical striker for one that has hold-up play when you're playing away from home. Maybe you change a, a midfielder or a center back or you rotate because of injury. But it just like these are wholesale changes we saw in the first three games. Almost an over-tinkering, in my opinion, of of, uh, who to get out of. Now, having said that, I think he was still trying to figure out who is my lineup, who is my team, and things like that. Not exactly the best way you want to start (laughs) World Cup qualifying, but it it did feel like there was a lot more changes than I would expect to saying, okay, we've got this foundation, the spine of the team. We're going to maybe move one, two players out. But as soon as the three-game fixture came in, it seemed like this bigger lift in terms of, how do I manage the three games? And I don't know, man, like I played three games in in a week and and, you know, throughout most of my career. And it just seems like and I know that there's a ton of travel and I don't want to undermine the the efforts of it. But did it feel like over tinkered to you?
2: Yeah, 100 percent. And it does give me pause when I think that our national team coach doesn't know who his best 11 is going into El Salvador, the first game of the whole qualifying cycle. That said, in fairness to Greg, I do feel like there was an emphasis. And we're also going to throw in COVID and the pandemic and all these rules and regulations that certain countries have to follow and, and trying to be thoughtful about that. Obviously, he had a couple injuries. He had the Weston McKinney situation. So there was a lot kind of under the surface there as we're trying to maybe identify our best 11. In fairness to Greg Burhalter he's trying to manage how he can get the most out of this squad. But yeah, 21 players in the first three games is a lot. And I don't remember Bruce Serena or Bob Bradley ever using that many players in these big games. Now they only had to focus on two over a qualifying window and not three. And I do think that makes a difference because you're also trying to, and I think this happens behind the scenes. You're trying to also build rapport with the coaches of these respective players when they play for their club teams. And if you handed back a Christian Pulisic who ended up going back to Chelsea hurt, you know, obviously Thomas Tuchel's like, that's why we don't want him to go, you know, and, 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 these are these little things that I think Greg has to take into consideration. Every national team coach has to take into consideration that said, and I've said this before, but I'm going to reiterate it. I don't want us to dick around with some, you know, B plus a minus squad for this first game, put our best players that we think can go out there and get the result in this one. And that lets that's, we don't need to be friends with anybody. We still have two other games. We have to get these three points at home. We can't have another game like we did against Canada. We're a bit nervy. The other team is coming into it. We're not really in complete control. Jamaica are vulnerable right now, but now they've got their backs against the wall. That's my other big fear. If we're talking about the mentality of this game, Jamaica has one point. And if they really want to have a legitimate chance of getting into that maybe third or fourth spot and qualifying and having a chance to get into the world cup, they need points this window. If they get another window of one point, it's pretty much done for them. They'd have to win, probably win out the rest of their games to have a legitimate chance. And we know that's not going to happen. So the fact that they've seen us drop some points at home against Canada, they probably watched that game. They set up very well in a counterattack, Jamaica. So there's a lot of things. If we're, we're cooking a stew here with all these elements, I'm a little nervous. This might not taste that great for the U.S. So, so I, I, there are a couple things. But Gray could minimize some of that activity, let's say, from Jamaica if he puts guys in the right spots to make plays.
1: All right. Before we get into your predicted starting lineups, uh, I wanted to ask you, do you do you think that Greg should be thinking about a home team and an away team in the way that we play? I mean, I talked about that foundation just a minute ago about how you kind of change a few players. Maybe you go a little more attack-minded. You throw in a little bit more of a one-way player or another attack, or maybe your formation shifts to being a little bit more dominant on the ball. Do you think that when you talk about putting the quote-unquote best team on the field, that that's based on the opponent? Is that based on on the fact that you're at home and that you should win these games, or is it, you know, going back to where, where I'm kind of at right now, which is show me a fight first. We know that the quality of these players are going to win out completely, right? They are going to be able to break a team down once they've won the battle. When they've won the battle on the field, when they've established that dominance, when they've established that presence, then I think that quality starts to come into play. Say, Okay, the game settled down. Now there's a little bit of room to play. We can see what the game is giving us. Now we can use this quality that we have playing at the clubs that we do to get the result that we need. But do you think that's different between uh, home and away or uh, in terms of personnel or putting the best players on the field? I think it has to be taken into
2: consideration because I'll use Zach Steffen as an example. He can't play in Panama, and that rules him out of that one. So what do you tell that guy? Okay, we bring you in. Matt Turner's been pretty solid between the sticks. Sure, Zach Steffen could probably better with his feet, but in terms of shot stopping, I think Matt Turner and Zach Steffen could go back and forth on who's actually the better shot stopper. So do you give Zach Steffen this first game? Maybe maybe he's, they see something in the Jamaica game where we're going to have a lot of possession. They're going to concede. Maybe he's better coming off of his line. These are all these little things, knowing that Matt Turner will start in Panama. Or do you wait and give Zach Steffen the Costa Rica game? I don't know. I mean, at some point, Zach Steffen is probably going to be pissed if he's not getting minutes. But we ran into this before as a national team. We've had tremendous goalkeepers through the years. We just haven't had maybe that, that who really is the number one competition since Brad Friedel and Casey Keller. And maybe when Tim Howard was breaking through, it was Keller and Tim Howard. And then eventually Timmy took over and then there was really no competition for him for a while. With all due respect to Brad Guzan, but just, uh, you know, you know what I'm trying to say. So now we have this, this, this legitimate number one, you know, who is the guy and, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting times in that position in particular, but I'm using Zach Steffen as an example, because there are some players that won't be eligible for the Panama game.
1: All right, so let's let's work through your 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 starting eleven. Uh, are you are you a back three guy this no, week? Not this are night. you a back no, four? Um, I'm back four. Okay. So, what wh- who do you who do you have? I'm. Um, I always say got, that. Are, are you are you going to go with Stefan? Are you going to go with uh, Matt Turner? I'm going to go with Matt Turner.
2: I think that he had the three games under his belt the last time around. I think that rapport is very important, uh, especially with the center backs in front of you in terms of what you're asking, the communication that you're giving. And I don't know if I'd risk trying to change that right now. So I would stick with Matt Turner. I would go, and he also had the opportunity to play against Jamaica in the Gold Cup as well. So he's maybe familiar with these players. I mean, Zach wouldn't have that big of an issue with that. And obviously, he could say the Premier League with Mikel Antonio and all that. I'll go back four. I do believe that we have some recency bias because, as you mentioned before, we had two and a half months, two and a half, or two, excuse me, two and a half games where everybody's like Greg Berhalter – might need to go. And then that last 45 minutes against Honduras, everybody's like, oh man, our team's amazing. Look at Ricardo Pepe, he's so good, you know? And and we switched to a back four though in, in that game and, and it was McKenzie and, and Miles Robinson and then Anthony Robinson came in. So I got those three in for sure. I would love to see Chris Richards get the run out, but because he's only got three caps, because he just doesn't have that, that that uh, you know he can use it against him or maybe no, he can use I, uh, it quite in frankly era.
1: I think he's got to earn his earn his way back in. He does. Right? I think he, he, does. Earned, a, he does. earned himself a, a a call up again playing really well with Hoffenheim. We've seen he, right. he's had a few kind of hit or miss performances with the national team, but you know you you, you maybe he gets thrown into the fire at some point to, to show that. But I think again maybe that recency biases and sorry to interrupt you here that no. recency bias of that back line is really important because. When John Anthony Brooks came out, John Anthony Brooks has uh, has is not coming into this camp. He hasn't been replaced by another defender. We saw mm-hmm. um, Tim Ream being replaced by Zimmerman. You now have the ability to almost the perfect excuse to go back to a simplicity in that back line. Yeah. Guys who are going to fight when 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 Robinson and and McKenzie uh, settled into that, they were pretty locked down defenders, and they looked comfortable of of sort of moving that line together, and they played far better. Than I have seen of any center back pairing, and I think there's a value to that uh, than than necessarily coming in and disrupting it. I do think there's a spot somewhere for Richards along I these do. three games, but yeah, I, I think there is a uh, kind of an, an an earn it or earn your way out for these these two guys at the moment.
2: No, 100, percent and I do think that Greg will lean on that last 45 minutes as an example as to this is what we want to do. Now, I will mention when I think about the flow and rhythm of that game, we scored so early in the second half, Anthony Robinson to get back in it. You could feel the game opened up a little bit. And I thought we managed the game really well when it opened up and we had some bright subs that were making taking advantage of that space. And and maybe that played into the hands of, of McKenzie and Miles Robinson a little bit, where now we're actually going to be in a straight, probably have 65, in my opinion, 65 to 70% possession. And now you got Mikel Antonio uh, looking to hit us on the counter and, and Bobby Reed trying to, you know, in between the lines, trying to find those passes that can unlock the back line. Then you got Shamar Nicholson who could start, as well, who is six foot four, you know, so if they start hitting some deep crosses, I mean, there's a couple things you have to counter and think about with regard to who you're going to start. So I wouldn't be surprised, I guess, maybe less to see Chris Richards, who I do think will get a game, but maybe not this first one, and maybe Walker Zimmerman, because because it won't be if we think we're going to be defending a lot of crosses. I don't know. It, it's interesting, but I do think it'll be, and I would prefer to see Miles Robinson and Mark McKenzie, Anthony Robinson on the, on the left, and Serginho Dest. On the right, but again, I do think that that Serginio Dest area is a is a place where we could get exploited. We saw it against Canada. DeAndre Yedlin stepped up. There was a big gap. Miles Robinson didn't slide over, and we got punished for that. So that I think, and then the coaching staff has got to be on it. it you got to stay connected to your outside backs in a way that you can give them cover. If you have a player like Alfonso Davies with regard to Canada, if he everybody remembers that goal, J- Jamaica is going to try to punish us in the same way as those gaps between probably our outside backs pushing forward. And our center backs, so that's a, that's an area of concern. But I'm sure that we they've talked about it, and hopefully it'll be eradicated pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, I think that that comes down to that that comfort, right? I think the benefit to me with this back line is that now uh, Mark McKenzie didn't play until that final game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robinson's been been in it since since the Gold Cup, and I think now they're getting more experience. And I I do believe that there is a growth experience from Nations League to now. Gold cup to now uh actual World Cup qualifying away matches, home matches, knowing the difference between the two, understanding the feel of your home crowd versus being very, very uh away from home. And by the way, Michael Antonio or Mikel Antonio is not traveling for these matches. Uh he'll be staying back. So I think that's a huge win. Oh wow, that's for, great. I didn't see that. for the US. And I, I can't confirm that, but I, I did read that online and it looked like it was a quote coming from uh, Mikel Antonio saying that he's decided. Uh, with the help of, of of his club and the national team and the travel logistical the ju- logistical issues that he won't be coming in, which is a huge uh, bonus for... Uh, well,
2: you say that, and now that we... If we can extrapolate that out, I actually think that Jamaica looked better when Mikel Antonio wasn't in the team. Not, not maybe in terms of aesthetics, but in terms of kind of doing the work and being harder to play against. With all due respect to Mikel Antonio, I just do, do think it is a lot of travel. You're kind of getting plopped into a team that you never play with and guys you never play with. And they're probably looking at you like, save us, score goals, man. You yeah. know, and that's a lot of uh, responsibility, I think, on players when, when, uh, you know, when you might not have a supporting cast to, to put you in good spots to make plays. So in some ways, I actually think Jamaica look better when they didn't have their superstars. They were tough to play against against Mexico and, and uh, obviously got a draw against Costa Rica as well. It was the one game at home against Panama where they struggled when they had all their guys.
1: Yeah, it would have been nice for them to have that full roster all summer long to start to figure out how they exactly. want to play, right? You can add uh, Antonio, who's the greatest goal scorer West Ham's ever had. Um, but if you can't figure out how to utilize that, and again, I think everybody gets up for a game against the U.S. or against Mexico, and and we saw that with, you know, obviously Me- uh, Jamaica giving up that last-minute um, goal against against Mexico, but had one chance on goal. But we're fighting and scrapping and things like that. You get up for those types of games. So perhaps they could have gotten more out of the team. But yeah, I, I certainly agree with you uh, in, in terms of um, playing better without him and just having again that fight mentality, which which ha- holds a lot of ground uh, in Concacaf. And we saw with the U.S. with Canada, they struggled a little bit when when Canada sat back, were disciplined, and, and were willing mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. to counterattack. So let's get to your, your your midfield. What are you thinking for a midfield?
2: So midfield, Tyler Adams for me has got to sit in the six. I don't think we necessarily flow as well when we try to cram Acosta and Adams into uh, into the same space. I feel like they kind of get into each other's way and don't look as comfortable if we try to do a double pivot. And I apologize, my camera decides not to focus right now. But on off of his shoulder, I, I go with Weston McKinney. He seems to have found his his footing in, in, in Juventus' starting lineup. I think he's starting to be leaned on in a more Uh, an influential way with regard to that midfield, which I think is an encouraging sign. Plus I think that he's going to have something to prove and he's going to want to totally redeem himself to borrow the quote from dumb and dumber. I think I used it before and just establish himself as, Hey, I am a leader of this team. I made a mistake. Let me, let me prove to you that, that I can be a guy that we can count on. And I expect a big performance from him, especially at home, which is where all this stuff happened before when we were at home against Canada and he couldn't, Get it together. So, I I think Weston McKinney starts off of Tyler Adams' shoulder. So Adams is in the six. McKinney's in the maybe maybe a kind of an eight, and and then I I would love to see Eunice Musa. But to your point about Chris Richards, he's probably got to earn it a little bit, you know. And and I think he get maybe get some minutes at the end. But I could really see us probably going with someone Sebastian Legette, who's got experience, who who's a player that Gray can lean on in tough moments. Is almost a de facto coach. On, on the field and and can keep it together. There might be better options or, or a variety. You could go with Abusio, who's just playing very well for Venezia. But even he seems to be a little bit more deep line. And I don't know. I would love to see him pair with Tyler Adams at some point to see if that could work. But I think right now it's Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney, and Sebastian Leggett. And really what has to happen for McKinney or Leggett is they have to still maintain the integrity of their team shape. They can't get two loss going forward. And that's isolating Tyler Adams to have to cover more ground than he should.
1: Yeah, I think we get a little bit fooled with the quality of the player that we have in terms of our buildup, right? And I go back to, again, when we had uh, Paul Ariola on HQ the other day talking about how they're going to get more vertical. And mm-hmm. that, to me, was like, okay, that makes sense with Tyler Adams and Weston McKinney. I think Tyler Adams has really struggled. I don't want to say struggle because it's the wrong word. But in a way, struggled to be our playmaker <laughs> at the six. <laughs> yeah, I'll use it. I'll double down on it. Uh, I struggled to be our playmaker at the six. Right, that comfort uh-huh. on the ball, and I, and and again, I I always go back to the to the Nations League uh, final. That the U.S. only started getting better when they figured out how they can break the half press or the 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 faux press of Mexico, who I don't think we're doing it really well. And then as soon as they did, we started to have that triangulation in the midfield that allowed us to advance forward and break them down and pull those players apart. And I think we've gotten away from that, which I'm fine with because I think we can play vertical. I think we do have the strengths to play vertical. I think we do have the ability to win balls, get the ball down and face the field. I, I go back to Ricardo Pepe where every time he got the ball at his feet, he was just trying to feed Pulisic who is now facing the field. And now you're off, uh, you know, changing the point of attack and creating these, these imbalances on the other side of the field. And, and I think about that a lot in, in the sense of when we have Acosta and, 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 and Adams together, Or even sometimes legit, I feel like we try to play, but kind of not really. There's not a confidence. When I look at the way that El Salvador plays, Honduras plays, Panama, these these, uh, um, kind of Central American sides that will play through everything, right? Little clicks, touches, that comfort, that technical ability. And it's risk-taking, but it works. And it's beaten the U.S. consistently, as well as other teams in CONCACAF. I don't think we're there yet in terms of that comfort and willingness to take risks. Uh, in that sort of chaos, cause it is a different type of buildup play. So I do like what, what you're saying in terms of McKinney and Adams, allowing one of them to be potentially a late runner while mm-hmm. still having a balance with, with, uh, a, a, a legit or, or, or a Eunice Musa if, if, if you allow him to, to spring forward, but making sure you constantly have that balance that you're not sitting with the double pivot or two guys just sitting too deep where now we're just blocking lanes to our striker. We're blocking lanes to our attacking players, but still providing, um, to, providing something. So Jimmy, let me get your, let me get your front line.
2: Yeah, I will be really surprised if it's not this, but then kind of with Greg Berhalter, you never know, because he does have some loyalty to players that I think extends past what we think it should. Oh, you're going to start Jossie from...
1: Zardes? You're going to start Jossie
2: no, Zardes? No, but I saw, I went and looked, you know, I took a lap around all the, the American soccer literati to see who they thought the projected starting lineups were going to be, and there were some that had Zardes in, and I think they're trying to get ahead of what they think Greg's going to do. I don't uh, agree with that. I think Ricardo Pepe will be the starter. He should be the starter, and... He's proven it already. He had a good game, actually, in Austin uh, not too long ago with FC Dallas. So, you know, he he knows how to score and feels comfortable in that stadium in particular. Brendan Aronson, for me, has to start. He's been very good for RB Salzburg and five goals in ten games for us, you know. And he does the thankless work as well. He's not afraid to press uh, that counter press right after we lose a ball. He's very good at it. He sniffs out stuff. I really like players that are, like, trying to anticipate and sniffing out potential ways to, to, to nick a ball away and having that counter for us. And then – I think the big one is, and I'm going to go with Timothy Weah because I believe he's playing very well for Lille and not to take anything away from Matthew Hoppe or anybody else, uh, Paul Areola, that that's obviously in the team. And And I to had a question for you. I mean, Paul Ariola, they're basically doing like, uh, he's doing all the appearances, right? Any press conferences. <laughs> There's got to great. be
1: something to that, right? Yeah,
2: right. I'm like, oh, I think he might be starting Paul Ariola here, which is okay. You know, he comes in and he works hard. He's going to grind it out and do his thing. But I'd almost rather see Wea here. I think he's earned the opportunity. He got called in before but had an injury. Matthew Hoppy obviously was in between teams and trying to figure that out. And now he's back as an option. I like Hoppe as a super sub in this particular first match. Uh, Areola could be the same. But ultimately, I, I would go with Aronson and Pepe and Weah. And I think those guys will definitely produce at least one goal.
1: Yeah, I, uh, you know, and and by the way, you can catch that. Uh, Kegel also sat down with Ricardo Pepe recently. You can catch that full interview on uh, the YouTube channel. Um, and Jimmy, I, I wanted to say this real quick. I'm a, obviously a huge advocate for Pepe, mm-hmm. but we know what happens with young players when they've been given the world all of a sudden, right? You've lived your whole life proving people wrong, and now you've been on the big stage. And there's always that little moment. Weston McKinney's gone through it. A lot mm-hmm. of our national teams have gone through it where they go from being just a guy, to being the star. And sometimes you need to be able to guide that and shape and nurture that. And I don't think Pepe's one of these big ego guys, but it is really hard to do what he did and not think that you've made it, right? Um, And I think he has a different mentality. So I'm wondering if there is an ability to have him come in in the second half, 60th, 65th minute, and say, hey, go do the same thing here. We're going to give it to you in a smaller sample size, yeah, right, uh, and not and not put the game on your shoulders from the very beginning. Where we know Zardes, we know what we're going to get from him. Uh, that's the only thing that I could see uh, ha- happening. And then the Ar- Areola thing, I agree with. I also think he's just the most well spoken on the team and the most you know brings a lot of experience in terms of understanding mm-hmm. the time and the place. That isn't going to throw something into the media that's going to uh, allow us to to latch our teeth onto and talk about for a week, but. Um, any, any any other thoughts on on this starting lineup before we go to break uh no I, I don't have any I, well, I, your, I, okay give me your give me your must plays then I guess I, and I, I know that's circumstantial but you talked about Matthew Hoppy uh you know uh, you talked about uh, the potential for Ariola if not then Timo Wea. I mean who are your guys that need to come in and make an impact you think in this first game?
2: Well, yes, Matthew Hoppe, I think, is a big opportunity for him. But he seems to have so much confidence in himself. You could not start him for three games. He'd come on and, and uh, try to light you up and fight you. You know, he's got that Clint Dempsey uh, chip on his shoulder, which I really appreciate. It's nice to see, and it's a nice contrast to some of the other guys who – I don't know. I'm kind of curious how he blends in with everybody else. We seem to have a nice uh, group of human beings in, in our team, and I love that. I love the culture that that Greg has set, both both with regard to – on the field, personality and, and that grit we were talking about, that grit's really important if you're going to win anything of consequence and, and be a team that's going to be uh, responsible and accountable and, and going out and get results and then obviously off the field. And I think Greg's done a, a good job with that. Obviously, handling the Weston McKinney thing seems to have done that pretty seamlessly, and that could have turned into something much, much bigger had he not handled it the way that he did. With regard to your question, uh, ultimately every all of all these players have something to, to, to prove and and every all these players have something to lose in some capacity. obviously some might have a longer leash than others, but this is the game we have to win. and as I mentioned before, there has to be that urgency. I don't want to see us only have that for 10 minutes of a half. I don't want to see us just have that for maybe a we like the whole game we need to be on the front foot putting Jamaica you know and, and, and putting them under a ton of pressure. And not allowing them to do the things that they want to do. And, and they were very good. We've seen them frustrate big teams. They went to Mexico City and frustrated Mexico for 89 minutes until Mexico eked out an 89th-minute winner from Henry Martin. So, you know, they're, they're, they have this in them, that that, that DNA. And, and uh, this game worries me a little bit. Even without Mikel Antonio, they still have some, some options up top. Uh, they have Andre Gray, who's on, on loan to QPR right now that can cause us problems. Shamar Nicholson, as I mentioned. Six foot four, just a big presence up top. So they can kind of hit us in different ways. The key for Jamaica is they, they really struggled in transition against Panama and, and when they lost 3-0. And they weren't even trying to transition in the other two games away from home. But at home, they tried to actually play. And when their outside backs get forward, we could punish them in those spa- those spaces. It's just a matter. Now we, we talk about that verticality from, from Areola and Berhalter's been saying it a lot. It's the new buzzword for the U.S. men's national team. But for me, it's just, okay, if we're going to put in some players that can stretch us stretch us out a little bit and get in behind the defense. It's only going to open up more space for the Brendan Aronsons and all that. And I don't know if they're just throwing that out there because teams probably recognize that if they sit back against the U S we don't really have too many answers. So to get back to the theme that I said, in the last qualifying window, and then I'll pass it over to you, Heath, we have to take what the opponents are giving us. And if mm-hmm. they're going to give us that spaces out wide to hit deep crosses, dude, then just do that. And then eventually they're going to get frustrated. we got to win the second balls, keep them under pressure. And then the game will open up. So That first goal will be important for us to get some confidence. Hopefully, we're the ones that score it. And if we don't, it could get a little uh, squeaky bum time. But I I think we're going to have enough in this first game.
1: Well, I will say that that's exactly how the U.S. played in that second half against Honduras, right? One, two, three touches in the same way that Panama beat uh, Jamaica in those games. One, two, three, out wide, whip the ball in, finish the ball off. And I think there's an efficiency to that that you shouldn't forget. And by the way, speaking of Jamaica, uh, Mark McKenzie, who's got Jamaican heritage, sat down with uh, Luis Miguel Echegaray. On the Kegel Lasso pod, talking about his Jamaican heritage, moving to Europe, and uh, as well as uh, his start to life as a senior international. So, if you're listening to the podcast, here is a short snippet of their chat.
3: I know this game is spe- specifically important for you and your family. Why don't you tell the people why that is?
4: Yeah, I'm half American, half Jamaican. You know, I got my my dad. He's Jamaican, born and raised. Uh, moved to the states after he uh, right before college, and then yeah, my mom, born and raised in New York City. In, uh, the Bronx, so yeah, I got hey, New
3: York City, baby.
4: Ready to boogie down, so <laughs> yeah, you know, I got both sides of the fam, you know, but but they all love me, you know. Just okay, for, so
3: what's gonna happen at home then, Mark? Uh, who's your dad rooting for that night?
4: I mean, you know, look, <laughs> like, as a dad, you know, I feel like he root for his son, but at the same time, I understand, you know, football. Is, <laughs> football is a, is a, is a rivalry thing, so uh, so look, like, either way it goes, you know, I still. Still calling pops, still call me son. You know, uh, go and get some some ackee and saltfish. You know, some. <laughs> you, know, it's, you know, it's it's all love.
1: For those of you watching on YouTube, you can catch the full interview by clicking the link in the description below. We are going to take a quick break, but we will be right back. Hey everyone,
2: this is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. men's national team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast, and I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the Coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Fiore Gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the Men's Sunday Performance Jogger. but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to vioricom sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing.
5: eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome back. And guess what? Sunday, the NFL on CBS welcomes in week five with some fantastic matchups, including Tom Brady and the Bucks hosting the Dolphins, the Saints taking on the Washington football team, and the battle between two of the best young quarterbacks in Los Angeles when Baker Mayfield's Brown Browns, Meet Justin Herbert's Chargers. Coverage begins at noon Eastern with the NFL today. It's week five of the NFL coming up this Sunday on CBS. All right, everyone, I'd like to welcome in our friend of the pod, Wiso Vasquez. Wow. Wow. What's up? Wiso, what's
3: going on, man? Hey, 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 ready, ready to do this? Been listening. Excited to be on the pot. I got Jimmy that shirt, man, man. I hate that shirt. Cool
2: shirt.
3: <laughs> Didn't it's John a- Anthony Brooks score in that shirt? He did. He did. It's 2014 I- World Cup, it, it yeah. Now it's uh, uh, that's an ugly shirt. It's such an ugly shirt, but at the same time, when you look at it, you're like, man, just the balls for for uh, the US coming out with it, the pop. But you know what? It's it's a cool shirt. It's a cool shirt.
2: So it's your your shirt's very cool too. It reminds me of like early Cuauhtemoc Blanco, it's, you know, uh, Luis Hernandez. Is- that's a Oh, this the is the
3: shirt. Yeah. yeah this is the shirt that everyone says it's the number one l three shirt it's the Aztec on it the abba so i had to jump on and encounter the the yeah of course We love that about you. <laughs> hey between us is it a, is it an, is it an authentic or is it an awkward? oh no oh no man trying to get one of these i think abba yeah it's it's trying to get it no i want one of those little uh, soccer shops that you have there they're 15 <laughs> bucks in yeah authentic no, if you have if anybody has an authentic one of these outside of players let me know because it's you can make a lot of money
1: I like that. So uh, we so let's talk quickly about uh, Julian Araujo. Um, tell me about sort of yes. th- the news of that, the reception of that in Mexico. What that means uh, to you as well as as well as uh, El Tri fans.
3: Yeah, of course, uh, Julian Araujo, right? Uh, a player that it's. Definitely a player that's been on both sides, play for the U S and looking at Mexico and finally announced a few days ago that we'll be playing in a very important message. My heart is with Mexico. And I have to say normally when these uh, players come out and would say, come out and say, Hey, I'm going to play for the, for this team. There's a lot of negative that comes around it, right? Fans on both sides, uh, you know, coming in and saying, you know, you know, traitor or whatever, but something different happened, I think. And it's happening more with these Mexican American kids that are coming out is that both both sides are kind of like hey you know you do you which is really cool from the fan bases i, I saw that even with ricardo pepe although we're really you know tough to miss a guy like pepe and look at what he's doing with the u.s but i there was a lot of fans that were like you know what you do you um and you know good luck to you so uh julian arajo announces it says you know great thank you for for what you did greg Buhalter and the u.s but um, I'm gonna go with Mexico, the roots, my family, and you know it's it, it's it's a football. It's a, it, it could be just a decision because he sees uh, himself starting more with with the national team in a, in a in a closer race. Um, that could be it. So, uh, LA Galaxy player, you know, um, well, but we so I'm just gonna player.
2: jump in really quick. I mean, is is even in Tata Martino's plans? I mean, sure, they're happy to convert, you know, Mexican American to play for Mexico, but. For us, I think we're okay with it, and the fans are like, "Yeah, we got like six guys in that position." So, well, I you know,
1: yeah. I, the, the thing I wanted to add to that is like, again, five, ten years ago, when we lost uh, Jonathan Gonzalez to to, I don't, I don't say lost, uh, yeah, but like yeah, when 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 yeah. when when he went to play for Mexico, this was a big moment, right? When we've lost players to other national teams in the past, we we're like, we don't. There's a giant hole there now, and now yeah. there's depth that's different. Obviously, Mexico always has depth. Is is mm-hmm. has there been conversations or? Or any sort of mention of that in Mexico about him being potentially part of plans? Or was it more I- just a personal thing of saying, hey, I'm going to roll... The dice here. And this is, this is who I want to not roll the dice, but this is, this is what I represent. Yeah. This is who I want to play for. And we'll see what happens.
3: It's hard to say, because I mean, you're looking at that position. It is Chaka. It's Jorge Sanchez in there. Mexican fans are not happy with that position. We're still looking to see Chaka, you know, a guy that a lot of people don't like that's going to go uh, against Canada, against Alfonso Davis. So, I mean, it could be, it could be like, look, we don't have that much depth in this position and we'll see at the same time. You know, I don't think that is that type of person that goes, hey, you know what? If you stick with us, we'll get you into a game soon. I don't think he's that type of player um, because why would you say that to Pepe? You know, a player like Pepe that's on there and they did have communications, which everyone on the Mexico side is saying they lost it. I think... Uh, Tata and his teams are like, you do what you need to do. Once you're ready, we'll call you. We can't promise anything. And that's the way we're going to go. I, I feel that's the way Tata, whether we, it's right or wrong. Um, but I think on a personal level, when he sees, you know, uh, Mexico death charge, or he sees the U.S. death charge, and he feels, you know what, I think I can make it uh, in, in Mexico first, then maybe that's, that's a decision, but we don't necessarily know.
2: Yeah. All right, I'm going to jump in really quick Heath because I want to get into Mexico Canada. Oh, let's do now it. as much as and as much as I love US Jamaica and obviously I'll be paying attention to that. I actually think the sexiest matchup of this first Woo. game of the qualifying window is Mexico versus Canada. And I say that knowing that Mexico haven't lost to Canada since 2000 in February, something like yeah. so long ago. Yeah. But I'm going to hearken back to the summer in the semifinals of mm-hmm, the Gold Cup, because I thought that Canada, maybe for the first time in quite some time, didn't look scared of Mexico. They yeah. weren't backing down against Mexico. That game was 1-1, and then Héctor uh, Herrera had to score the 99th minute. It was 90th minute plus nine minutes of injury time. That must have yep. been nice. Referees on Mexico's side, you'd love to see it, <laughs> but, uh it. I'll take but, anything. But, yeah, but Canada had had Mexico reeling, and, and, and to a point where I think Canada comes into this knowing that it's going to be difficult, but they're not scared. And, yeah. and that that's a vibe that I, we saw when Canada played the U.S. as well. They're not scared of anybody, and I think that's going to help them qualify for their first World Cup since 1986. Now, Mexico might still get the results, but they've been squeaking by, and they got lucky, actually, to get a result against Panama in the last game of, of the last uh, World Cup qualifying window. That one was 1-1. Tata Martino, and this is what I love about Mexico currently right now, is that they're not playing well, but they're still they're still on top of the table, and yeah. that's a hallmark of a great team. What do you see in this one? Because I think Canada is is, uh, is ready to go.
1: And Man, by, by the know. way, we so before you answer, just so everybody knows, uh, that match is on Thursday, 9 40 p.m. Uh,
3: Eastern time on Paramount Plus. So you can catch yes. it there,
1: Sick. Yes. stuff. So,
3: all right, Canada, right? It's the hot team. I mean, why wouldn't you be confident with a player like Alfonso Davis? What I think the best player in Concacaf, mm-hmm. hands down, right? Kayla and I was respect maybe a role Jimenez is coming back, but Alfonso Davies, what he did and what he does to teams on that left side is, is you're just seeing It's there disgusting. It's, it's disgusting. disgusting. It is. Disgusting. <laughs> you're going, how, how is this uh, where did he come from? Oh, all of a sudden, in last four years, I mean, his stock rose to the best player in Concacaf to one of the best players in Concacaf. It could be historical, right? Of course, I think uh, Mexican fans are seeing that side of it, and you're looking at our side going back to Julian Ravelo. Talk yeah, Chaka Rodriguez. Who's going to be on that right side? So uh, I, Mexican fans, knowing that Canada, like you're saying, Jimmy, uh, are not scared. Look at what they did at the U.S. at home, uh, and going into an Azteca where. All right, things can go wrong quickly if there's a if it's a goal in, you know, the very few minutes and then you have the 75% mm-hmm. 75,000 fans behind you who are screaming it that it, all they want is a win, you know, a perfect game and then, you know, fans can get behind you. So of course, Canada is going to go in. They're going to. They're they're excited. They know they can get some points. Uh they saw the Gold Cup, even though it's not the same team. It's all about that confidence when teams come in, and uh, I think that the knows that. I think that respect is there, having players like Alfonso Davies on that side, and having players that have done that did really well in the Gold Cup against some of these players that uh, played for Mexico.
1: Yeah, we so let me let me ask you this. You know, Chucky's back in Raul Jimenez. Yeah. How how important is that? I, I get from the fan side. You you now have. You know you're you're nine back. You have Chuki back. This is huge. But as a team, you know Jimmy talked about it. They've they've found that the mark of a good team is they've been finding a way to win games without mm-hmm. some of their best players or even playing their best. Do are, are do you throw them back into the lineup or do do you think that they? automatically make the team better or is there a balance to, to how you integrate them back into the squad
3: no absolutely you throw them right back in i mean that's a, the the, ter- the terrific three that we've been wanting to see chucky lozano tecatito corona and up front raul jimenez uh Tata doesn't like to go with with two number nine so of course he's going to use he's going to use raul coming in from a great great weekend last two weeks a score some assists and the same for chucky lozano right uh some, some two goals assists it is a perfect time to put him in there. I don't think he's going to waste any time. He's not going to be subbing in uh, because we're that desperate to finding the goal, right? The reason why the Gold Cup was so horrid was because we didn't have a, our front. Uh, because Chucky got injured, uh, Funes Mori was okay here and there, but if there's anything that Mexico is desperate for, it's finding that comfort and the the those three players that know each other, that have played together, although it's been a while since they have been there, I mean, having Chucky... uh, On that side, just just gives you so much confidence. And like I said last time, I was on the show with you guys. You know, Tata's system is perfect for those three players, right? And uh, it's I I think not going to waste any time. All those three players are going to start. Obviously, both coming in from horrid injuries. You know, and Raúl Jiménez and that emotional uh you know scoring finally after two weeks and what happened to him with his big injury. I think it's gonna be a homecoming for him uh where all the fans again, you know, are are are, are gonna be cheering. If Raul scores, I think the the, the you know the the stadium is gonna erupt. So um that's what's that's that's the great thing about about this matchup.
2: Now we so I want to talk about the defensive side of the ball because mm-hmm. despite the fact that it seemed a little nervy at times. You only gave up one shot on goal against Jamaica. They just happened to score it. You only gave up one shot on goal against Costa Rica in the second game, a 1-0 mm-hmm. win. Mm-hmm. And for the most part against Panama, even though Panama did exploit a few vulnerabilities in the back line, and Panama, I think, has been the surprise team so far in CONCACAF just in terms of their consistency of their performances. Mexico's still kind of locking things down, and and uh, obviously you got Memo Ochoa on goal that if anything does break down, you got somebody who has a ton of experience that, that yeah. lives lives for being clutch. Yeah. Can you speak about the defensive side of the ball? Because I think Canada, despite their their prowess on the the outside, we talked about Alphonso Davies. Jonathan David currently is tied for the league lead in France for Lille with goals. And he's he's in fine form as well. So how do you kind of counter what Canada brings specifically with Jonathan David?
3: Yeah, you, you know, d- defense is is one of those conversations in Mexico that everyone kind of looks at it. I don't, I haven't felt comfortable in a very long time. I mean, since Rafa left, right? You guys know Rafa, of course, <laughs> right? Um, had so I mean, that leadership, that is the most important. Who brings that leadership? And I think this is why now Hector Moreno coming back. Yes, Hector Moreno still. Um, I believe that's, you're going to go with the experience at these games, especially mm-hmm. a team against, uh, you know, Canada. It's a very fast thing. The only concern is, is that they're really fast. Moreno is up there with age, right? Um, on the sides, you know, Gallardo and Chaka are a lock-in just because against of their, their experience. And then you have somewhere in there where it could be Montes, but then the experience of Araujo, right? call players we've seen those set pieces the problems that mexico has had in the set pieces with with the u.s with other teams so uh, i feel experience is going to be key in this one even and but if there is an adjustment would be the defense if you know canada is too fast and bringing some of the younger players so uh therefore uh you know you can not only in the air but i'll go win on those on those on those counter which i think uh canada is going to want to do so uh you said you know they are solid we're still nervous as far as fans <laughs> being a little shaky with it uh, especially on set pieces but uh i think that experience is is, is the way to go and that's what Tata's going to do
1: yeah you talked about the your you know you've kind of given us your lineup uh, roundabout way you've given us your front three which is obvious your back mm-hmm. your mm-hmm. back line now i i think again for a moreno He's at his best when he has some protection in front of him where the game becomes a little bit more predictable because he reads the game very well. He's a step yeah. ahead of things, and he knows how to make the right plays for the lack of sort of, I guess, pace or or, or youth that he has in him. Who do you have in your your midfield that's, that's sort of trying to neutralize this this Canada attack? Because when I look at this game, as Jimmy said, Canada, I think, is the behind Mexico the second best or most threatening team uh, attacking-wise with the quality of players that they have, and they can beat yeah.
3: anyone at any time. Yeah, I think the only person that's a lock-in, right, that 100% sure there's no way Tato gets him out of the start 11, is Edson Alvarez having an amazing, amazing year in Europe, uh, a player that is should just shown so much, has grown so much, his stock has grown, definitely is going to be in there. Then you have, again, back to the experience role, right? Uh, Guardado now back to the national team. And even though Guardado is older, the experience that he brings, still what he's doing at Real Betis, captaining some games, right? Uh, I feel that he's going to go with Guardado and Hector Herrera, who may not have been playing in Europe, but but also had a great Gold Cup, uh, you know, bring, coming up and being a captain. Again, experience is going to be key in these World Cup qualifying matches, and you guys both know. Um, the, putting a young person in there, putting a Cordo, Cordoba, which he has a lot of talent, or I believe Jonathan Dos Santos, even though Tato really, really likes him, could be could be in there. Uh, but I think Herrera, Guardado, Edson are the main guys. They've played well, uh, and going back with that experience, that is key.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't have anything to add to to this because I agree with you. I think you have some depth to Heath's point and obviously the experience factor. I think Tata Martino, especially with the fans back at home and Azteca, are just going to go with the guys that are going to go out and get a result. It might not look pretty, but they're going to go out and get a result. And yeah. they need one against Canada just to let Canada know who's really in charge here at CONCACAF. Yeah, we sure we respect you, but we're going to go out and make the, the plays. That said, I actually like that if all these players start, you do have some Pretty significant subs coming off mm-hmm. the bench. I'm a big Alexis Vega fan who's doing it yeah. for Chivas Guadalajara. Henry Martin, uh, I thought was dangerous in the most recent Super Classico between Chivas and Club America. You have uh, Cordoba, as you mentioned. Tecatito could be another option, right? Whether if he doesn't start or if he does. So, yeah, you know, Mexico, mean, Mexico's pretty good. Mexico's pretty all- good.
3: Orleans doing good. Funes Mori right. needs to come back, and and you know uh, and he has a score. So it looks like the depth is there for Mexico. Maybe the defensive. I didn't mention Vasquez. Johan Vasquez coming from Italy, um, who had great, great Olympics. Who is you know our next big defender that's coming in. There is more depth. Here it is. This is the team that we wanted, right, in the Gold Cup. This mm-hmm, is the team. Mm-hmm, and when I mm-hmm. said uh, that Mexico has it all, has all the tools, there's not one person missing, maybe a Linus in there just as a sub, but there isn't some player that's missing, like, uh, the excuses. And I'll say an excuse, you know, that we thought maybe we could get six, seven points because all our players aren't there. Mexico, I expect a win at the Azteca, a win and the Azteca against Honduras, I will sign off a tie, but I think nine points for this next window. Wow, is nine game. points! Oh, oh, Jesus, goodness! I have some some humility. humility. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it is right? here. It is this. If if we don't take advantage of this, we're going to the U.S. Then we're going against Canada. We can lock down World Cup qualifying by the end of the year. My guys trying was, to have my guy's trying to have the trophy yeah. by Christmas, you know. No, so like let's do it. You forget the it. Then, then we're already qualified. <laughs> then when the U.S. comes to Mexico, you know, if it's a tie, well, you know, we're qualified. Already. You know
2: what I love about Concacaf? It's it's never that straightforward. It is I, not. I, I, it is I appreciate not. your sentiments.
1: <laughs> yeah. I
3: like that. It is that. not. Uh, you know, I'll go with you. The same. I know. I wrote it down: seven and nine points. Losing in the Azteca, though. I, you know, I've said this to friends. I've said this to fans. It's unacceptable, and that's the thing. If you even a tie you're getting there and get ready because you know jamaica i mean canada goes in there and scores and then you know comes back one-one. Oh man here comes the azteca even though it's fine I, we really hope that stupid chant just goes away oh man it's just the, the 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 fans there could turn on the team um but uh let's hope you know as a mexico fan it's you know score early we're there get the pressure off yeah and yeah. show canadians that hey you know there's only up two guys up front Don't, as long as you have Alfonso davies it's fine but up top is uh, Mexico and U.S., you know, stay out. <laughs> I like that. I like that. All right, so let's let's do a quick roundup
1: of, of the other games. We've got Honduras versus Costa Rica, 8.05 p.m. Eastern time on Paramount+. Plus. Let's talk about that one for a second. Jimmy, I'll start with you. Is there anything that stands out with you in terms of obviously Costa Rica, the stereotype of them, which is proving to be a little bit accurate in terms of this aging national team. Honduras, who started really well in the way that they played against Canada in that first game. Uh, and then ultimately kind of uh, exploding against the U.S. in the second half and giving up uh, that many goals. What, do you, what are you taking away from this one?
2: Yeah, I feel like these are two teams, that we've discussed it before, that are kind of in that weird transition phase where mm-hmm. they're still relying on their older guys because their older guys are still better than their younger guys who haven't really pushed them out of the national team yet. And both – really it really comes down to – Who's gonna score for for either team? Uh, yeah, they can go out there and fight and that's going to be a necessary component for them to have success. But but I think Costa Rica might just have a little bit more quality. That said, the same thing that we're doing with the US, where we have this recency bias. We're so thrilled about that second half against Honduras where we scored four goals. I'm sure Honduras is feeling the same way. The media, the players, everybody's feeling the same way. Pretty solid, all things considered, for the first two and a half games, right? They had a 1-1 draw against Canada. They had the lead in that one. 0 draw at El Salvador. So the first two games away from home, two draws with a chance to potentially get four points. Then they were up 1-0 at, at the half against the U.S. So for two and a half games, you're thinking, all right, this Honduras team's not too shabby. And then the wheels just fall yeah, off the true. truck. And now everybody <laughs> yeah. thinks... They're the worst goddamn team of all time. I, I, they, I don't, and, but and they were
1: like you said, they were 45 minutes away from, from being on, on five points. And again, yes. 45 minutes is a lifetime in CONCACAF, sure. so you can't really give it to them. Yeah. But the way that they approached two, they I think they were the only team that had two away games in their first two. To so take two points from those when I think they could have gotten three against Canada. But you, you go, okay, fine. With a little bit of humility, we'll take two points, go into this last game. Unfortunately, you play against a, a, a strong team in the second half. That changes things, but they've shown glimpses of their ability to be a top four team in in, in CONCACAF. We said so do you do you do you disagree with that?
3: Uh no, no, no. This is this is where you look at CONCACAF going, okay, let me do the math here. Hold on a second. Costa Rica tied in Panama. Mexico could not, you know, tied also in Panama. Costa Rica, but then lost to Jamaica. It's like you start making know, this team won this team, and then this team, won. it doesn't make sense, right? Honduras had an amazing, I mean amazing first half against the US. There and then completely. Completely just, just, you know, just went out and said, you know, what, we're not going to win anymore. We're not even try to tie. <laughs> and and Ricardo Pepe came in. It's it's crazy to go with these two things. I do think that Honduras at home, obviously the home environment Honduras is, is, is tough. And those two teams, I have some Costa Rican friends that are looking at that one and going, man, this is our classical. This is like Mexico, Ooh. U.S. going into Cincinnati, going into Azteca. We're going to go in there. We need this point or it's over. Jimmy, you said it with Jamaica. It's not only with Jamaica. It's the bottom teams yeah, the three yeah. bottom teams they need a score and you know they want he said hey can you please beat up on can on canada make sure you beat up on all of them they're cheering for us to cheer for the u.s to beat up on these on these smaller teams because that canada the Panama, the costa rica honduras are all going to be fighting i think for that third spot so uh this is yeah. it this is the world cup qualifying for them this is uh, a much yeah, win."
2: And I'll jump in on the Ticos really quick because they have a new head coach. Luis Suarez came in, not Mm -hmm. that Luis Suarez, but another one. He won his first three games in charge, though it would be pretty awesome if it was that Luis
3: Suarez. (laughs) Right.
2: Uh, They won all three games in their group stage, and they've been winless in five games since. And they've only scored two goals, or excuse me, one goal in those five games. That's a point point of concern. When they drew 0-0 at at Panama on the first day, Mm -hmm. the first qualifying window, I was like, ah, man, what's up with Costa Rica? But Panama's obviously proven they're going to be a tough test. 1 yeah. 0 loss at home to Mexico. Okay, that happens. Jamaica. But that 1 yeah. 1 draw at home to Jamaica when they were up 1 0 after the third minute and couldn't manage it is the one I think that could come back to, to cost. Yeah, so some- we have a lot of teams that are like, they're like nearly teams they're good for yeah. 90% of the games but that doesn't get you points in concacaf
3: yeah yeah and there's and there's some problems in there with coaching and some players i think that some players are are, are not liking the coach so there there's there's a lot of stuff that's happening with costa rica but again uh you know it's it's concacaf it's 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 that rivalry of going in honduras can they drop some points they did it against panama um uh, but then you know what honduras is going to show up first half against us or second half against us uh that's why i'm going with a tie
1: yeah I, I i will say this it, I find it hard at times with the national team with, with coaches just because of the fact that you have a rare opportunity in qualifying, right? And if you you don't like your coach, you either win with your coach or you win despite your coach, right? And and you have an opportunity to do that. And I know it's tough and I can't be in the environment. I don't know their locker room. I don't know the way in which they train or the way in which he approaches his players. And I've had plenty of bad, bad coaches. In fact, I've had mostly bad coaches in my career when Good I look one, back Chief. at – uh, which ones I, say I, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let, I'll let, I'll let jimmy. jimmy say i'll let jimmy, jimmy say it. It. <laughs> they, all of them uh well i want to uh, yeah <laughs> i I, I you know i can't does cuts up everything and puts it on the internet to make me a star and and no. that, uh that you know uh that it doesn't work, work but, you. Uh, but let's you. let's talk about Got el salvador it. el salvador panama this one also on Oof. paramount plus 10 5 p.m eastern time uh we saw el salvador first 10 minutes against the U S really struggled, settled in and were the better side, I think on the day in terms of Mm -hmm. their willingness to compete and understand what it takes in CONCAP. They now play at home against uh, a Panamanian side who has been, you know, uh, I think relatively impressive so far to start this campaign. Uh, I'll start with you. So is there anything uh, in this matchup
3: that stands out to you? El Salvador, again, it's kind of in this, in the same thing. They need to get this win right at a home game. There's fans to win at home. um, And, If they're going to want to do it, it's going to be have to this. This has to be this match, right? You've seen the talent that El Salvador. I think you guys talked about it. And in in Mexico, it's like that Picardia. You know, these flashy plays that erupts the stadium, and then they get that momentum, right? Uh, Of course, we've been talking about you have to have to win at home. But uh, again, going back, what who what teams are going to show up, right? Who who, what are we going to see? So it's again. I think I'm going with a tie because Panama. Uh, can does have a good team and and they'll they'll want to sign the tie anywhere to get those points away from from uh, in No, uh, we said
2: so my only concern with El Salvador is that they're the only team of the eight in this last phase of uh, qualifying to have not scored so yeah. far in their first three games. They have two draws at home, so zero zero versus the U.S., zero zero versus Honduras, and they went away to Canada. I think they looked a yeah. little bit tired at that point. Yeah. They don't have the same type of depth as all the other teams. But that actually, think I've, that that plays into it because this is the first game now of the new window. Everybody should be fresh, hungry, ready to go. On the flip side, with Panama, if they really want to be contenders and not pretenders, they have to win this game or they yeah. have to get a result in this one. They had two draws at home in the last qualifying phase, and they won away from home 3-0. So maybe they're they're a road team. I don't know. Well, we're gonna have to wait and see. <laughs> but but scoring first against the El Salvador team or scoring at all against them. I think is of the utmost importance because as when Canada scored first, you could see El Salvador just kind of, kind of not quit might be the wrong word. I don't want to use quit, but it feels harsh. I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to double down on the word quit, but they kind of just, just you could sense their frustration and they were tired. And then Canada took full advantage and that game yeah. was over after 60 minutes. And so I think if you can get into El Salvador early, that's your best chance. And we tried to do that from the U S perspective, it couldn't make it happen. And they took, took the game by the scruff of the neck and were really more in charge. Panama, I really like Panama right now, but this is if they really want to be considered one of the top teams here and they're going to qualify without any issue, they have to win this game.
1: I like that. All right. I'm going to give you guys uh, the stage for for the final for your final sort of monologue on this upcoming window. I'm going to start with you. We give me your your just final uh, wrap wrap up your thoughts uh, for this upcoming uh, qualifying window or at least these first round of matches.
3: The qualifiers are again and so excited to mark my calendars for it. And uh, once again, you every single match is a watchable match. And that's that's the cool part about all of this. Uh, I think the top two teams, I think the U.S. and Mexico are going to do real well this on this on this round. Uh, like I said, I know you guys laughed about it. Nine points, seven. I'll go with the U.S. two getting those getting seven points. Um, but it, but again, it's key, 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 key to not take points at home. We'll see it. I'm glad everybody's watching. And, uh, you know, just like, just like Jimmy said, it never goes as expected. So there's yeah. going to be some freakouts. I know I, for sure. I
1: like, I like that. And I also think the U S should take nine points in this one, but now it just Don't feels it. like when you say Don't nine it. points, it's so far from it. reality. When you go low, oh, look at the players, Jimmy, why can't they get nine Don't points? They they they, <laughs> they 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 crushed Honduras for one half. You know, don't, don't we so <laughs> we so just jinx Mexico. Yeah. Don't do it. way? Yeah, I agree. I'm not going to say it. I, that's why. I, hey, listen. Uh, I, I come from a place of humility here, Jimmy. Give me your your uh, your your uh, final thoughts on this one.
2: So I really can see this window going one of two ways. One, we get a clear distance from Mexico. U.S. creates a bit of a gap from everybody else, and and now that's going to start to be a two horse race. Or we're going to get chaos, which is what usually happens in CONCACAF and everybody's going to be grouped together in the middle because nobody could get points off of each other. (laughs) And I'm kind of here for that because it would make Christmas a lot more exciting than seeing Mexico already qualify after nine games or whatever. So, so I obviously I want the U S to not be involved in the chaos either, but uh, I I don't know. I, 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 it's going to be a great window. I'm going to try to watch every single possible game that I can because the intrigue is so high. And because a lot of the teams that are at the bottom know, and they're going to have that desperation To have to survive and obviously for some of these countries playing in the world cup is not 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 you know they don't have to win the world cup but playing in it is a dream in itself and so there's that kind of thirst that's hard to replicate sometimes for some of the bigger countries that expect to qualify for world cups
1: all I know is that there are probably live odds right now on how quick the Tata out will begin with a loss, <laughs> and how quick the the Berhalter out will will begin uh, with any loss in this qualifying campaign. And which one do you think is 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 more likely to not actually happen, but the chance or the signs or the internet to erupt uh, would be the 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 bet that I'd be be willing to place, Jimmy. Who who, who do you
2: think? I'll say Tata because I think that Canada will provide a tough test for Mexico. Oh, it's gonna be tough. I I do. And I think Jamaica, Jamaica will be tough for us at home, but there's something about Canada not being scared of Mexico this time around. And the longer that game goes zero zero or or if Canada scores first, you're going to mm-hmm. see Tata out in like 15 minutes, you know?
3: But, and it's interesting because, and sorry to go back to it, but then I could just see also on a positive, completely different. Canada does not know, has not been, those players have not been in the Azteca guys, mm-hmm. right? The altitude, okay. the 75,000 fans that are there, it is intimidating. And that's what the Azteca brings. It's bad for both teams sometimes. So when mm-hmm, someone said, mm-hmm. is it going to benefit? Well, it, it could turn on you, but it's going to be bad for Canada. Interesting to see what's going to happen. So this is CONCACAF qualifying if you know i'm looking at the betting odds trying to see if i can get some parlays and just going like, ah, it's not gonna work,
1: <laughs> not gonna work. <laughs> i like that well guys just remember uh, just a reminder sorry on thursday we'll be going live on youtube to recap the action from austin join us there and be part of the conversation in the comment section if you have a question for us then head over to apple podcast leave K Galasso a five-star review with your question and we'll try to get it to you guys on the next pod Thank you so much, Visa, for joining us. Thank you, Jimmy Conrad. And we will see you guys on Thursday. Later. Adios.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.